right? right? And so what we're looking at, I hope, is a real push to get more and more people out to vote. And hopefully what this does, yeah. it's not just a one-time thing to get Trump out, but really a revolution of people being interested in voting. That's right. You gotta be careful of like just projecting nefarious intent on everything. It's uh, just like, but like, don't like. They, they're um, not complying with the injunction to stop doing that, which makes it feel nefarious. That makes it me. feel nefarious. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. World. Welcome back to another episode of the Ameripodcast, episode 126. We made dun, it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> This was yep. our goal. Turns out Always we're was. done after this. Retiring 126. <laughs> we hit it. It's a nice funky number. And you know me, I like funk. Today is Thursday, October 15th, 2020. 7 11 p.m. That's right. 7 11. We have the original crew in the house tonight with us from the Colorado area, Mr. John Anderson. How are you? I'm good. Hanging out, you know, chilling. COVID life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 18 days until the election, by the way, if anybody's having that like impending sense of anxiety and doom. FML. So make sure to get out to vote. Make sure that you're registered. Make sure your family's registered. Make sure they're going to go vote. It's very important. And keep in mind, since we're talking about it, that not all the votes are going to be counted and the, uh, the winner will not be announced on that day. So Very just keep that in mind. I'm seeing uh, a lot of talk go around with people saying, what's going to be your reaction November 3rd when, when Biden loses? It's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Unless but, Biden fucking crushes him and we can call like Pennsylvania and Florida that night. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, a long slog. So let's get right. prepared. Or, or if you follow uh, Beto O'Rourke's Twitter account, he, you know. I just flip Texas, and then he has no chance of winning. Yo, so. Texas is there close, actually. Texas is go. closer closer than it has been in a long time for dinner. And uh, that's uh, Punk Rock Flip Texas Kelly, also in the Colorado area. John Kelly, how are you today? <laughs> oh, Punk Rock Flip Texas. I like <laughs> that. Uh, listen to Texas old Texas punk bands, man. They're fun. Butthole surfers. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> Were they from Texas? Yeah. Huh. Did not know That'd that. be Austin. Already learning new shit. And out in the Bay Area, Mr. Tyler Grillo, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, that's right. Flip Texas Kelly, because he was born there. Never for hashtag never forget. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for all of our listeners, yeah, now you know something about me. That's right. Wow. Deep cut. Shots fired early on the Yeah, pod. we're coming hot today, everybody. Uh, I'm also, I'm going to fill out my ballot actually after this tonight and go drop it off tomorrow. Uh, nice. Right. And yes. just like nice. any good political system, um, my um, wife and I, um, who many, some of you may know, uh, Lauren, we've also been together, uh, not married, but together for 12 years. We got in a great little argument and like little tiff last night arguing over a proposition. This is how, this is what, the, see everybody, <laughs> like this is what, this is the political process. It's important. You know, you need to fight with your loved ones. This is what's about. You know what that tells me? That California especially does way too many referenda oh, so on the ballot many. and we should knock that shit off because we elect representatives to go out and make smart decisions for us and we should we should just not with the ballot measures but that's not why we came to this podcast (laughs) that's another thing we're going to reform later and speaking speaking of fighting with your loved ones (laughs) 
I I am your host. <laughs> I'm your host and guardrails, Blake Mannion. But tonight I am your moonshine guardrails. And to my Ooh. point, this moonshine was made by somebody who I do not see eye to eye with on such subjects. Mm. So it is proof that you can find some common ground Thanks. somewhere. Well, America. I, I would say that there's probably a good amount of moonshiners out there, Blake, that you wouldn't necessarily see eye to eye with. Once again, this Indeed. is this is why the party party exists. Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. we can at least connect on that. Exactly. Uh, can I interject with a fun fact? Yes. Uh, 538 has uh, Texas uh, at a 69% chance for Trump to That's win. That's right, it does. That's right, it <laughs> does. <laughs> I wonder how Mike Pence feels about that. I will also <laughs> say that was that is worse odds than 538 had uh, for Hillary Clinton or for Trump to win um, the presidency. It was 71 to 29 wow. in 2016. Really? So oh. almost exactly the same. So weird shit happens. Yeah. 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 And shows you just how crazy of a political season we're living through currently. Right. And we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, later. We're going to start off with the Senate confirmation hearings of Amy Coney Barrett. But uh, just on that note, and then we'll stick a pin in it. That's why the Trump administration and the GOP is trying to do anything they can to just like take off a sliver of votes here, sliver of votes, number of votes there, because every little bit's going to add up. With the fuckery that's already going on, they're trying. That's their intention to seal the win. But well, they want us. They they want enough controversy to have to send it to the Supreme Court. And Ted Cruz said we have to nominate or we have to confirm this person because we might have to decide an election case. Mm. And and uh, just to remind everybody. In twenty eight or in twenty sixteen, there were eight justices on the Supreme Court on election day because of Mitch McConnell. Yep. So and I the think Republican we Senate. can go yep. into twenty twenty yep. with eight justices right. as well. Just mm-hmm. saying. That's right. Yep. And I'd rather not see another one go to the Supreme Court like Bush v. Gore in two thousand, but right. that's another thing in general. <clears throat> right. Speaking of Senate hearings, shall we jump into it? With Miss Amy? Sure. Yeah, hey, did you guys know that there are five freedoms in the First Amendment and not four? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Amy, yeah. Barrett, Amy Barrett doesn't. <laughs> that was something fucking else. Like, I'm pretty sure that was a test question on my poli sci 101 class. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. case you missed it, everyone, she was asked what the five freedoms uh, are that are protected in, <laughs> and she, in the First Amendment, and she forgot... Which I one, mean, everybody? So I, I know that. Oh, sorry, Tyler. It was oh. the right to protest. To answer it was your the question, right to protest. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Yeah, to yeah. redress. Uh, yeah. I remember in Mr. Moss class, our senior year of high school, we had to answer that on a quiz. There you go. Yeah. She's completely unqualified. The day before, she was able to name like 10 cases that had to do with like healthcare stuff and like five cases that had to do with uh, abortion rights, but she couldn't remember those five. Maybe she should have had her notes. I know she was bragging the day before how she didn't have to have notes in the chambers. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's just a sign of the disrespect of the process rather than your like intelligence or acumen. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. I take notes sometimes just to look like I'm smart. Like, come on, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
We all know if it's an open note test, you take it. We've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Hashtag Cisneros. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, so, and, and of course, and of course the great and honorable Lindsey Graham up there joking about segregation oh, days. Like, my was, God. like, I was like just going to say just that just as a side comment. That's great. Back in the good old days of segregation. Yeah. It's not even funny to joke about. No, it's not even funny to joke about. He tried to come out later. Like it was some kind of tongue in cheek joke on the side in today, in today's climate with all the black lives matter protests happening still in the streets, you're going to come out and say something like that. So out of touch. Oh, so, so out, out of touch. touch. Way, way to yeah. read the room. I hope he gets spanked 16 days from He's, now and get uh, kicked out. Jamie Harrison raised the most out of any Senate, Senate candidate ever. I think in a yeah. quarter, yeah. it might yeah. have been wow. a month, but it was like, it was like $70 million or something like that. It was yeah. an insane. And literally every time, Lindsey Graham is on television. He's like, "Oh, by the way, give to lindseygram.com. $5 will make a huge difference." It's so fun like he's shilling so yeah. hard. One of the biggest mysteries to me is what the fuck happened to Lindsey Graham. One mm-hmm. of the biggest mysteries of like the Trump era. I really am interested to find out what the fuck that is all about. Right. I sold really his soul, like sold to soul to Trumpism in a state yeah. that has huge shifting demographics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just I I I'll get it. You know, Kelly, so, you and I were saying he was super out of touch, but maybe he's super in touch with fucking white supremacists and shit. Maybe maybe he's like, oh, I'm going to joke about segregation because that's who I need to appeal to to win this fucking election. I don't maybe. see. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think that's a joke. I think that's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He knows who I he's talking to. And stuff. that is the Trump strategy. I think at this point with the GOP is they they're putting their money down on on which side. And uh, I think they do think that it's going to come down to that. I think some of them firmly believe that when this is all said and done, they want to be on that Republican side when it gets ugly for whatever reason, you know. And Republicans have done this for a long time, not to veer off, but like, you know, they they play this game so well where they'll be like, oh, yeah, let's just put a like, you know, um, pro LGBTQ like marriage something on the ballot because we know it's never going to pass, but we know that all, a bunch of people are going to come out to vote against it, and then they're going to check the fucking other con- the, you know Republican tickets while they're there. Like they it's play actually, this game all the time. it's actually exactly what happened in Colorado when Tabor passed. Oh right, but, but we don't have to get fucking burn it down. We don't have to get down. And that was what the eighties, nineties, ninety two. So yeah, they've been doing that for a while. Mother fucking, I hate that shit so much. Sorry, that's not this podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> and one thing I've been thinking about is that I think some of them don't necessarily care if they get reelected. And hold on to the Senate if they think that they have the Supreme Court completely locked up for a generation. You'd be like, that's fine. You can have a majority and the Democrats can have a majority in the House or the Senate. We'll challenge everything that they try to put on on the books and we'll be able to overturn it in the uh, the Supreme Court. So, like, I I could see like Lindsey Graham sitting there being like, this is this is my swan song. I don't think I'm going to get reelected and I'm going to make damn sure that this gets pushed through uh, as the last thing I do. You it's know. it's the class it's the classic uh tactical defeat to make a strategic victory right, right. and and so th- they're they're pretty much i think correct i think they are making the correct strategic decision yeah. based on what they have 
what I can discern is their strategic goals. I think their strategic goals are mostly abhorrent and not uh, good for the country and not good strategery. for Americans. It's pronounced strategery if you're talking about Republicans. Strategery. 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 Excuse right. me. I did not use the correct verbiage. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if they want to further their what seem to be their policy goals of like, one, abortion, two, white supremacy, then making sure that they have a 6-3 majority on the Supreme Court for a very long time really furthers that goal, along mm-hmm. with all of the judges that they've been able to appoint uh, f- it, through the Trump administration. And that's why we are probably going to have to make some reforms. Well, some I, think, I think that raises the question, doesn't it? What reforms need to be made? Yeah. I yeah. think it does, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's almost like we thought about having this conversation and let ourselves there. Weird. I love I love the patting ourselves on the back when we lead ourselves to our own talking points. That's right. That's right. Well, I have. OK, so so my my idea is not that. I mean, in fact, it's the thing that we've heard the most, but I think it is the most straightforward given if you have a president. If So assuming, of course, that you have a president and that, you know, both the House and the Senate are under Democratic control. You add at least one other person to the Supreme Court because that number is not fixed by the Constitution. So you add another judge um, or two. Fuck my life. Who cares? But like you add a couple of judges to even that shit out. That's I mean, yep. I think that's a very simple and easy reform. And it's something where it's like, oh, it's so drastic. And it's like, I mean, listen, there, the galaxy is billions of years old. Even humans have been around for fucking hundred thousand. <laughs> and you're telling me that like we can't just add a couple like people to a court for that, you know, just because has had nine people just because for a few hundred years, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that if you're going to say, uh, we are not going to even consider a Supreme court nominee until there's an election and then you do that. And then the next election you rush through a nominee super hard. I think that you have already, um, you have already destroyed the legitimacy of the court and it has to be rebalanced in order to serve the full American people. And so you, you, you cannot, um, I think that the term is court packing. And I think that we have already like crossed the Rubicon essentially on that. Well, and, and, and it's a good thing that I planned on going next because I actually disagree yeah. with court packing. Ooh, oh. um, you know, I think that the one time that it worked politically in this country or got close to working was because of not not as a reactive issue to somebody being elected, uh, nominated and approved to the court of what could happen down the road. It was because of legitimate policies that were trying to be passed in the 1930s for the New Deal, right, with FDR. And... I think that um, court packing could continue to delegitimize the institution itself to a point where really every election brings in somebody new and you pack more people on the court to get whatever you want passed. Um, and I think that while it's very, un- it is unfortunate and we're looking at an uphill battle in terms of you know the numbers on the court, and liberal justices, I don't know if the first gut check reaction we should do is absolutely pack the court so it's even again or so the liberals have more people on the court to make decisions. Um, What I would say is that I think there's some legal things that 
the Congress can do. And the one thing that I thought of, and, and I read in a great Atlantic article, and, and I really agree with it, is that you could you could pass some legislation by the Congress to say the kind of powers and limit the type of powers that the Supreme Court has in certain situations. So, for example, and the one that I'm going to say is that what you could do is say that there has to be a seven supermajority in a nine-person court if you're going to tear down existing legislation, mm, right? And yeah. so, and so that's that it was actually first proposed in like the 1910s or 1920s during the Progressive Era. So you don't necessarily have to pack the courts with more people, but you do have to say, you know, you have more of a burden as the court to prove that you need a supermajority to overturn things that we as Congress decided needs to be enacted. Because that's mm. really not your job is to write legislate from the bench, which right. both sides are pissed off about <laughs> at one point or another. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So so that's what I would argue. Like in our nonprofit, we have to have a quorum on the board to make mm-hmm. big decisions like that, you know? Right. Yeah. So I'm surprised to learn that they don't have anything like that already. Yeah, I mean, it's it's mainly because the court, um, when Congress has has tried to limit powers of the court, or they perceive that their powers are being limited, they push back pretty hard and say it's unconstitutional. Yeah, totally. They they defend their prerogatives, as we like to yeah. say. Yeah. So uh, I have <laughs> devised a plan um, that happens yeah, to t- include. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Here we that. go. John, John was super pumped. Tyler and I came up with one idea. John was like, I got a multi-point plan. <laughs> I have a plan with subplans. Um, so it includes both your shit, by the way. Uh, oh, it does. Right, so, Look at that. Yeah, it includes both. Um, so the goal here is, quote, fairness um, and legitimacy. I don't exactly fairness. know how to do it. What is yeah. fairness? Can you define so what that is to me like, in a legal sense? Think of Mitch McConnell. Okay. Get okay. it in your mind. Sorry about that. Drew Dowd. I see. The opposite of that would be out. what I am describing. And so it's kind of like uh-huh. whatever that Supreme Court justice said. I, I couldn't define pornography, but I know when I see it, same thing. So just to set some groundwork here. All right. So. Uh, we are going to do, we are going to increase the court to 12, okay? We're going to do an even number because we're going to require a supermajority. We're going to require a 7 to 5 vote for any decision. Okay. We are going to have 16-year terms. Yeah, need terms. And Interesting. every yeah. uh, four years on a midterm, there are going to be three justices up. Whoa. Okay. On a midterm. On a midterm. I like that. Not the presidential. On a midterm. One of those justices, well, sorry, two of those justices will be nominated and confirmed through the regular uh, process. The president nominates, Senate confirms. And one of those justices out of the three will be voted on by the people. Wow. Wait, so so wow. so two so two out of the three are going to be pushed through and confirmed during a voting year. Yes. Prior be, to or by, after the election? Uh as part of the election, uh per the because, because year the, term. Because the third because the third one has to be voted on by the people. Yep. And and you have sixteen year terms, so there will be two people up that year. So I guess we could we could you know, there's a lot of like logistics to work out, and so I'm negotiable to say like 
the and I'm kind of assuming because I'm not a legal scholar and this is complicated that we'll have to do a constitutional amendment. So you could say in the amendment, uh, they must be confirmed in that calendar year and and the president and Congress can determine the timing in that calendar year. Or maybe you say up to Election Day, let's say. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think you probably would have to push through an amendment for that one because that is a pretty extremely it's structuring. Yeah, um, it's hefty. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's a very interesting uh, aspect to this whole debate, and we haven't talked about it much, but the idea of term limits on the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, there are term limits for other levels of judges in both the state and federal systems, right? But there right. is none on the Supreme Court. And the idea from the founders was that it would make it a less political body if they were not didn't have to do, right. go through voting, didn't have to go through reconfirmations. It would allow them to stand clear and stand above politics. Obviously, that thought process was done prior to um, really the formation of parties in this country, the hardening of party lines in this country. Uh, and so it, it and does get a little complicated. A lot longer. And and pe- exact yeah exactly yeah. and that's another I I don't know if I necessarily sign on because I I actually do think that having a lifelong term on the Supreme Court does protect them a bit from uh, political leanings. Uh, but I think Can there I needs to amendment? be. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to finish my thought, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can only serve one term. Interesting. One sixteen-year so term also frees you from politics. Though again, there's you know if you if you did that and you were elected one more time, I don't think there's been a whole lot of people that have served for thirty-two years at this point. Sure. Um, yeah. Though there's a couple on there that could at this point now that they've been elected so young. Yeah. Um, right. So, but what I was going to get at is that maybe what I'd like to see is maybe you could put some more. Um, restrictions on how long they could be on the court without necessarily going through the re-election process. So maybe after a certain point, there'd have to be some kind of mental acuity test that would have to be done, right? They have to reach a certain level of uh, mental acuity. I don't know. Um, uh, we, we've we talked about this before, Kelly, I think just hanging out, but um, something along the lines of a sitting president could... Um, like call a vote of confidence in mm. a justice after a, a given time, and then Congress would have to take up the question. Right, that, like something like that could actually be a legitimate way to uh, call the end of their term. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and then it involves both of the other branches. Right. There's a certain yeah. level of this where that fairism, the, the fairness, kind of comes in again because, like, we are assuming and that there will be like good intention. You know, and I think that's that is what we should be aiming for. Um, but there's a yeah. part of me that's like, okay, how do we, that's not the world we live in at least right now. And so how do we like account for that? You know, that's not the political world we live in. And, and I want to be, I'd be careful about ageism here, but like, I think the term limits for yeah. like, or, or like an age cap and like, like once you're 75, that's it for you. And like, it's, it's for, for me, here's the thing. It's not about like whether you will have like the mental acuity necessarily at all. It's more about like. Let's be real. Like the things that are that were like normalized in our society that were like, you know, let, even just talking about racism. Right. Like 
fucking 20 or 30 years ago are not okay now because we've progressed, right? And and of course, individuals can progress. I agree with that. You can also grow, but also the opposite happens where you just get stuck in your thing and you're not able to grow and you're just stuck oh, yeah. in your people fucking People get hardened to yeah. their opinions as exactly. they get older. And that's, so that's the norm. Yeah. So that's why I rolled through um, uh, what would be four cycles of judges so that you get three new judges every four years, right. unless they're reelected if we want to do that. Because right. to me, one of the ways that you provide fairness is that, like you said, it changes over time. And so yeah. let's give each, let's, let's set in stone the, uh, let's account for that over time, basically. So yeah. that's why you roll the nominations uh, three yeah. every four years. It, it, and, and while I don't necessarily like the election idea, I do like that idea of rolling through it and having something so often because it keeps people more engaged right and it feels like in today's day and age the institutions are so far away from most people they don't trust them they don't feel connected to them and this is something that could potentially get people more excited more involved in their democracy around them right on a national level and and hopefully that would go down to a local civic level as well um but you know if, if that was a spark that got people thinking about it and our democracy got more fair because of that and our votes counted more and we had more say on a national level that's n- never a bad thing in my opinion that's yeah. that's why i went for the uh it on the midterms one i was afraid with it being too charged with the presidency and the supreme court up at the same time but also like let's do whatever we can to increase the turnout for the midterms so yeah yeah, that's true. And I think that's the thing is that we really got to focus on, I mean, the Supreme Court is important because twice in our lifetimes, millennials, the well, once and maybe twice, let me start, let me rephrase, once and maybe twice, the Supreme Court is going to be called in to decide an election. And that is fucking only only if it's a legal one only if it's a legal challenge <laughs> only if it's a legal challenge if, that's right if if it if it's too close to call it goes to the house right that's a good point yep. Kelly. very good point um but you know that's why it's it is so important and we're seeing a lot of um you know already early various forms of voter suppression and things that are questionable whether it's voter suppression or if it's just systems breaking down because we live in a rumbling uh society uh so it, it is weird some of these are unsure but this the, but you know there are some very w- wicked things uh happening people are starting to write like trump supporters are starting to show up outside of um uh early voting places um and uh you know this is this is a scary thing so i i also agree though that that the answer is not to necessarily try to ensure that these things will be protected outside of voting it is to increase uh, the power of voting. Yeah. Before we jump down voter, the voter updates and the election, I just want to add on top of what you all said and make a case for Biden winning this election. But, uh, as you were referring to, uh, trying to get people more involved in the system and the process, I think that we could see record turnout this year, right? Very possible. And this would be good, a good time to capitalize on that interest and momentum. And that said, uh, to your comment, Tyler, about fairness uh, and how do we pull all this off right now, we can't. And so that's why we need Biden to win. And Biden himself said he's not a fan of court packing uh, as, and his, he's running to restore norms and institutions and keep the focus on 
defeating the coronavirus. So I think Biden would be the perfect candidate to try and return us to some kind of normalcy so that we can do some of this cool shit. That said, uh, between I mean, I, I, I will say, well, I will say one thing on top of that, Blake, is that like, I think the reason Biden came out and said that he doesn't want to support court packing is that, you know, he is a centrist Democrat. And he doesn't necessarily agree with a lot of the progressive wings of the Democratic Party um, who are pro- are definitely the louder voices in terms of, you know, court packing, changing the rules of how the court votes, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, if he was farther left leaning, if he was more of an FDR, we might be having a conversation about will he actually do it if he gets elected. But, you know, I think some of this stuff is pie in the sky yeah. kind of dreams. Well, and and we're not ready discussion for it. With, with Biden getting elected. Yeah, we're not ready to do it yet. And that's why the more centrist person like Biden is is why we need him in office next so we can use him as a stepping stone to that more progressive reform. Yeah. We got to pop that orange pimple right out of the White House and shoot him out. <laughs> Fucking A, right? <laughs> between between the, uh, the Supreme Court reform idea and the Postal Service UBI idea, we've got the beginnings of a party platform. But I digress. <laughs> John, did you have more steps? I feel like you ran through a lot of that. Did you have more steps? No, that's it. That's what I got. Good so steps. there's some there's some logistical issues, like what happens if somebody dies, uh, especially if they were a member who was voted in. I haven't really decided what to do about that yet, um, but probably like a special election like we do if a senator dies or whatever. Um, I guess it would probably we, depend on how, how they got elected, right? If they were appointed or they were elected. That's what I mean is like yeah, okay. if, yeah. the, if, if they're appointed, then they just – go through the appointment process again, I think. But if they were an elected Supreme Court justice, then do we call a special election? Is it going to be a national special election? That seems complicated. You know, I'm pretty much open to solutions there. Have, have, have you, yeah. guys, you guys seen that uh, uh, Futurama episode where Zoidberg gets in trouble for eating the American flag and it goes all the way to the, or the world flag? Sorry, it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. They roll out all the justices, and the head justice is Snoop Dogg. Like, that's how it would be if people could vote on justices, which would be pretty cool. No, it opinion. would be Kanye, right? Maybe Kanye. Yeah, yeah, he seems a little more interested than Snoop in politics. That Kanye would fucking run for that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe. All right. So maybe I'm not. Maybe we're going to amend that part of the plan. <laughs> but I, I mean, voting voting judges in would be very interesting because I think so, you would get some very extreme, probably more extreme judges than what you have even on the bench now. Maybe. Depending yeah, on how I mean, the if, it, if it's like a national popular vote. I don't know. Uh, and that's why it would be important to have a few more justices on the bench. Right. And that's why we go to twelve, and we require a supermajority. Um, do you think? Do but, you think it'd be a one? It, it would end up being a one v one vote down the ballot again. Would it be a first past the post type of thing uh, on the on the election? Because if it does, then it then it just really turns into Democrat versus Republican judges right. every time. Right. Well, what would be Good an point. alternative? You do it proportionally, but it's yeah. not. But like, how does that work for one? justice at a time in an election yeah yeah Yeah, that doesn't (laughs) well it's tough let's put a pin in this i mean you could i guess i guess you could mandate because it's a federal thing that you could mandate that it has to be uh a certain amount have to be on the ballot and and you have to get a certain amount of vote i don't know right that's the only thing but i think it would end up being more of a one-on-one race probably yeah. yeah, you Let's, you could maybe mandate some kind of primary process that would negate that. 
Um, I'm not uh, that's, exactly. that's what we need in in between years. <laughs> in our years, a primary for judges. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting there? Ninety percent of the people in the country, ninety percent of the people would look at that and go, "Oh, this is so fun! I'm so glad we got to see Brett Kavanaugh have a debate against Stephen Breyer. Great." <laughs> Uh, I mean, we would love it. That. We would love it, but ninety percent of the people would just roll their eyes. Hey, Moonshine Garvels is trying to help us out here, or as he goes by now, yeah. Moonshine Garvels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's put a pin in this conversation because I feel like it's it's losing momentum, and let's move on to voter suppression. Well, there's going to be more to say about this, I think, unfortunately, as we grow. But, you know, this whole Trump army thing of, like, poll watchers, which is like, there are already poll watchers. You don't need poll watchers on top of poll watchers. Yeah, but how are you supposed to trust the government? How are you supposed to trust the government to do the right thing and count votes? It it does sound like they might be, the GOP might be actually getting some legitimate poll workers of their own back there well yeah do it legitimately but don't do it like in california where they've gone out and they put up ballot bo- fake ballot boxes although yeah. weirdly enough it seems that most of the ballots are getting dropped off are republican ballots so like it's it's not necessarily like we got to be yeah. careful of like just projecting nefarious intent on everything it's just like but like don't like don't, don't why do why do that don't do that uh, just like th- they they're um not complying with the injunction to stop doing that, which makes it feel nefarious. To that me. makes it feel nefarious. I agree. Right. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. I mean, you, I think when you get down to the base of it, there's probably some nefarious thought process by some of the people who are doing it, which is like, we need to protect one. We need to protect our right to vote. And two, maybe we might be able to suppress some votes on the other side. Cause we need our person to win. But I think that there's also really a concern and it's spun by the narrative that Trump has played for the last two months, yeah. which is that, the election's not going to be legitimate unless you get out there and figure it out, right? You can't trust election officials to do their jobs properly. That's what he's been saying. And so it makes perfect sense if you're a, a true Trumper, right? Uh, always Trump. I love Trump. Then you're going to go out there and be like, I have to make sure that everybody's vote is legitimate. Not yeah. just mine, but people on the other side, too. Because, you know, what we're going to have is a bunch of rock-shod criminals and Antifa members coming in and taking over the entire government if we don't. You know, yeah. it's I, I, I know I'm being a little hyperbolic and I'm trying to make a joke out of it, but it's really, I think, because at the bottom, they think that they're doing right underneath the law. They really think they're acting properly in their own twisted version of law and order in this country. Right. And that's what they're trying to do. Right. And I mean, like, that's why I think the getting out the vote is so essential because if you just overwhelm it, 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 from what we're seeing so far, things look good for Biden. Now let's all take that with a grain of salt. But if you can overwhelmingly show that Biden wins and there's some Senate seats that are flipped, then it, it throws into, for, for a lot of people in the middle in this country, it throws into question. If it's close, people will be like, oh, yeah, maybe they did skirt this. Maybe they did. Maybe there was suppression. But if it's overwhelmingly in one direction, all those, that point falls moot. Because it's like, well, even if, so yeah. what if 10,000 votes? He won by fucking 100,000 votes. So, so what, right? And that's what I think is so essential in this election. I think there's going to be three variables to determining the outcome of of this election and by that i mean like a broader like where are we going to go as a country in terms of our form of government i think number one is going to be how big the the margin of victory is if it is 
if it is, it comes down to Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is super close. We're fucking boned. Yeah, we're boned sc- in a lot scary. of different that's ways. Scary, yeah. That's, that's going to no be really, really bad in a lot of different ways. That's number. That's variable number one. Variable number two is going to be state legislatures. And so that, in a similar way, is if it's close in Pennsylvania, the the Pennsylvania state house and and Republican gut or they've got a Republican governor, right? I think I'm pretty sure they do. The Republican governor might say, we are going to negate the electors that were elected because of voter fraud, and we're going to nominate our own, and therefore we're going to go for Trump, even though the total votes go for Biden. So that's a possibility. Now, that can't happen if it's a gigantic victory, right? Variable number three is going to be what happens, what does the United States military do if one and two happen, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if the U.S. military says, go to fucking hell, Don, Joe Biden is the duly elected member or president, and on January 21, we answer to him, then we're going to probably be okay. But if something other than that happens and one and two happen, we're in for some trouble. Right. I mean, not not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, I— I agree that if one and two happen and we get into a slog in this country where we, we're not sure, then we're in for trouble. If they just outright say that they're for Trump, we're in trouble. If they step back as a third party and say it has to go through the right institutions, yep. And we're not gonna we're not gonna pull one person or the other out of the White House. We're not right. Then, yeah, then at I, least I, they're maintaining their outside distance from the electoral process. Yeah, I didn't, right. If I didn't they, if they come out, a, oh yeah, sorry. Uh, a polarity there where like one of two things are going to happen. There's myriad things that they could do. One of the things that they could do in a totally doomsday scenario is that they splinter. And then we, that to me is the only scenario under which we have an actual civil war, but I don't think that will happen. The United States military is a very coherent organization. And so I think they will ultimately act coherently. Um, But yeah, they could say we're, we're not getting involved in this and the electoral process has to figure it out. They might be under the command of Donald Trump. And in the interim period between when Biden is inaugurated, we get into some fucking real shenanigans. That is possible. It's possible that they say, no, we are going to support Biden because that's what the votes say and get the fuck out of here. There are myriad things that could happen, but I think that they are one of the three important variables to watch as we go into November 3rd. On that note, should we be trying to organize like some uh, statements by leadership in the military at this time? Would that be a wise thing to do? So I would argue they've already done that. Um, there My were a lot of, uh, uh, com- and it was interesting how it happened. There were a lot of like, you know, the, th- the third fleet, the, or whatever, you know, the fifth Pacific fleet, yada, yada, this U U S force commander issued a statement being like, we are the United States military, and we swear an oath to defend the United States Constitution, and that's what we're going to do, which implicitly is a rebuke against Trump, right? Because Trump would say, no, you serve Donald Trump, which is a dictator. Yeah. And so they – but it wasn't like – I mean, General Malley, who's the um, 
uh, chief of staff, went out to Lafayette Square with Trump and then later said he regretted doing that and it was improper. And so that's why I'm generally encouraged by what happened at, at that particular incident. But it's more on like the the force level rather than the coherent full United States military, although I am encouraged by that. Yeah, leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I actually, we have go ahead, Kelly. I was gonna say I, I 100 percent agree with you, John. Actually I've 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 seen a lot of really encouraging signs from the military throughout Trump's time in office. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They've been very much a we're not a political group. We're not going to act political. There's been multiple chiefs there have been multiple chiefs of staff that have been connected to the military. There have been multiple advisors that have been connected to the military. And you know, in my opinion, I do not see them turning this thing into a civil war, no matter who gets elected, right? I don't just do not see that happening. But one one thing I will say, um, and, and just add to the discussion in general is that one of the reasons it's so important to get everybody out to vote, and hopefully it's a huge turnout in this time, is just to point out all of the problems that are inherent in so many states' systems of voting, right? And we talked a little bit about it with the California ballot box that were put out, mainly in Republican counties and in Republican cities to try to make sure that Republican votes weren't getting messed up, even though it's illegal and there's ramifications potentially about whether or not you can even count those ballots. So it's counterintuitive that they did it. Um, but also you see lines around the block miles and miles long in states like Georgia and states like South yeah. Carolina and places yeah. where, you know, and there's been challenges against how many drop-off ballots there can be in places like Texas. Right? right. And so what we're looking at, I hope is a real push to get more and more people out to vote. And hopefully what this does, yeah. it's not just a one-time thing to get Trump out, but really a revolution of people being interested in voting, That's and right. being interested in what's happening. And so those types of things hopefully won't happen in the next election and in future elections because they'll people they'll elect, they'll get the people out of their counties, out of their states that do this type of voter suppression and get people in there who care about democracy. Whether or not they win or lose in an election, they care about people's voices being heard. And that's what truly should be important in elected officials and in voting officials. Yeah. Well, you know, if we look at, uh, uh, you know, what's actually central to uh, any, like, other systems of, uh, uh, of, of government towards the left, like socialism and communism, you have to have way more heightened participation by everybody uh, in the process. So if we're trying to move towards fully automated luxury gay space communism, this could be <laughs> a really important step in that direction. Yes. But no, I'm sorry. That is, that is, I'm pretty sure Marx deemed that to be the height of society after communism. Yeah, yeah. Direct, direct uh, quote there. Um, and yeah, that was the Das Kapital. To das... Yeah, it, it's in the epilogue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, it is though so essential that we that 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 people engage further in in the vote, and I think that as much as times like these are really distressing and put pressure on our system of government, there's always the great opportunity, and I hope that one of those opportunities is that people get more involved in their elections. Right, and I'll say beyond elections, like one of the um, 
strategic goals of fascism is to atomize society so right. everybody feels alone and so it's it's basically like a divide and conquer strategy so obviously the the opposite of that is to build community and so beyond um voting i hope that this like reinvigorates our institutions broadly i will say and so i hope that everybody out there feels reinvigorated to engage in society and pick an organization and yeah spend time with it and do make try and make it better basically pick an organization whatever you're into find an organization that does that thing and then try and leave it better than when you found it and i think i promise you there's a group of people out there doing the thing that you love to do yes right now and they're help and they're helping other people trying to do it as well gotta find them you know if you volunteer your time two three hours a week you're gonna feel a hell of a lot better about everything that is very true it is in in your life you're helping other people as somebody who does that um the pandemic has prevented me from doing that um and it has been a fucking problem for my mental health yeah and so i can i can like i can from real world personal experience i can say how much it matters to be involved in an organization like that so i think it and and that is how we build a better society. Like that is right now, America feels like it's being torn apart. And the way we fix it is honestly not through politics. It's through community. And it's not it's a very local thing. Or I guess no. I shouldn't say local. It's a very personal thing. Um, and so but, to, but know, democracy grows out of our communities. True. Our leaders exactly. that end up in Washington, yes. D.C. and how our national government works is a reflection on all of our smaller communities, well, a reflection of us and all of them. And not only that, but that our our like human beings are organized and are are like have evolved to seek like belonging with others. And also yes. uh, like have to you know, we have this inherent ability for resilience that was called resilience to bounce back. Um, for adverse situations and there are certain things that build that and one of those things is having shared goals and one of those things is being in community so it's like it, you you can bounce back when you're shared in community and also um and the other one is also uh being able to give back that's another thing that has been shown to bolster resilience so you have a lot of things coming together here yep on this note i have to give a shout out to good business colorado yeah it's a nonprofit i helped start a couple years ago and we have I think close to 50 people on our policy committee. We have multiple subcommittees. We work in legislation. It's pretty sweet if you uh, are looking for something to do. So there's a little shout out there. Any of y'all listening? Here it is. Do it. Pick something you're passionate about and go find other people who are doing it and then hang out with them and good shit will happen. Amen to that. John, how fast should people do that? Uh, They should do it really fast i feel like this is another joke that i'm not gonna get and now i'm all nervous about it <laughs> come on john come on john how fast how oh with godspeed yeah, Served it up on a platter. Don't worry, I can. Uh, I can. All right, thank God. I can make it sound good that time.
Oh, nah, do it live. Fuck <laughs> it, do it live. No, it's, it's not fine. good. It's not good. I liked it. Oh, it's so good. So good.